Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 153 of the Ham Radio Podcast. This is Dov Plays. I'm a Total War multiplayer YouTuber. We've got a nice little community of uh, Total War multiplayer, primarily with uh, Warhammer Total War. Uh, it's a super fun game, and honestly, like, I don't remember who it was that was on here a while back said that Total War has a really entitled community, which is somewhat true. There are elements of that, but honestly, there's a really great multiplayer community community for uh, Warhammer Total War, and there's a lot of great channels showcasing it, and because it's a bit flashier than some of the historical Total Wars, I think it has more potential as an eSport. So that's kind of what I do uh, myself, and there's quite a few other channels. So if that sounds like your thing, feel free to check that out. Uh, Dov Plays on YouTube and uh, Twitter is at Dov Plays. So, yeah, check me out. I'll link down below. All right. Hey, guys. It's uh, Kopi, Paul, or Paul here. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Kopi the Kitten, and I have a YouTube that I rarely upload on, uh, Kopi the Kitten as well. <laughs> nice, nice. Hi, uh, I'm... Uh, Hi, I'm Trevor Coleman. I'm a uh, computer. Uh, I'm studying computer science. I'm interested in gaming and possibly making games in the future. Awesome! I didn't know that. What what kind of um, kind of games are you trying to make? Right now, I'm trying to make a platform game because it's a good uh, start off point. And then I want to. I'm trying to learn everything so I can make a very diverse portfolio. Very nice, yeah. Uh, funny enough, Noah, he used to study game dev, and actually he started off with a platformer too, so that's pretty cool. Good stuff. For those who want to know, Noah, fun fact, the game that he was making was called Bounce. Because we're going to make a <laughs> radio podcast trivia game one day when we're really popular, and we're going to include that in there for those who uh, pay close attention. <laughs> anyway, um, for those who are, uh, th- these are all patrons as well, but for those who are a part of the Patreon um, you get early access to the podcast. Today, specifically, it's going to be early, early pod, uh, podcast access because um, Carrick is not here, as you guys can tell. Uh, the reason for that is he is going away this weekend, um, and he didn't want to like feel too rushed or anything, which I get. So we're doing this podcast many hours earlier than we usually do. Um, if Patreon ain't your jam, we do mobile access for iTunes and Google Play. It just comes out a little bit later. So now... Let's get into this week's discussion, where it's going to be all Bethesda this week, by the way, folks. So, for those listening, if you're here for something else, you're in the wrong place, because it's all speculation. We're going to start off with the Starfield Reddit leak. Oh, boy. Now, uh, we're just going to refer to it as a leak. This one um, doesn't look as plausible as other info dumps we've had. I am going to 
try to sprint through this full Reddit post just to recap any of the information in case anyone forgot so that we can go over multiple points. So I apologize in advance for my early rambles. So this Reddit post reads as the following. Heads at Bethesda have been noticing a rise in science fiction content in the market. So they're going to make a game of their own in this genre. They've always wanted to do this. Even Todd has. They want to get ahead of games like Elite Dangerous, Star Citizen, Beyond Good and Evil 2. The game, in fact, is called Starfield. It's more of a space fantasy or opera setting instead of a hard science fiction. Uh, It's like Star Wars, so there are fantasy themes in it that have naturally transferred from their previous work. You can make your own character. The game looks a lot like Fallout 4. Animations aren't as janky. You can climb on buildings and terrain from a skill. The game uses a cutting-edge procedural generation technology. A lot of the mechanics for the game rely on it. There are four important planets in the game you can travel between in the system. Three of them have procedurally generated terrain and are fully sized. The other one is a big city planet and has a set map size around maybe the size of Morrowind's map. And then there's also the galaxy map with a section called the Unknown Regions where there are endless planets generated that you can explore. They are also fully sized and inside the planets themselves have been described as planet-sized dungeons. Content on the planets also procedurally generated. Sounds a lot like No Man's Sky with alien species, animals, locations, all of it generated. You can find uh, things as small as a camp to something the size of a colony or a city on the planet's surface. There is a unique mechanic in the exploration side of the gameplay that if you discover an alien species, catalog it, and return it to that normal space area with the four planets, um, you can actually unlock that species as a playable character, which would be cool. Your character is silent, and the character is not anyone special, so something along the lines of uh, Oblivion or Morrowind. Um, You choose what planet you want to start the game on. You can also choose a random planet, which will spawn you on a generated planet. There are 30 ships. Um, There is combat similar to Fallout 4 with better cover mechanics, infinite weapons comparable to the Borderlands system, an expanded settlement system where you can establish colonies on an empty ploy of land on any planet, Um, You can also establish colonies on the unknown planets and populate those for income. And then um, there are ground vehicles like speeders and some transports. There are factions, and even those can be procedurally generated. And last but not least, you can't just join every faction, but you can be in multiple at once. And then they're saying that the trailer is supposed to come in late May. Do you guys believe anything from this Reddit, we'll put in quotes, leak? Whoever wants to go first, by all means. I mean, there's definitely some elements of truth to that, I think. Um, More and more, Bethesda seems to be going towards procedural generation. And, I mean, that touches on a lot of aspects in the game. I mean, you look at Fallout 4, for example. You have, what, like 10 base gun types with all these mods. And from that, you get all this procedural generation of these different weapon variations. And, you know, like you have the end of dungeon steamer trunk, for example, that uh, Oxhorn has made so popular. It's the... uh, it's all procedurally generated, you know, the loot inside, and there's these rated quests and stuff like that. So I do see that procedural generation is going to play some kind of factor. Um, I definitely agree that there's going to be some areas that will be handcrafted, but uh, as to whether that's exactly for planets or whatever, who knows. And uh, the unknown planet system, I mean, we'll see if something like that actually comes out. But I could see, at the very least, having a couple planets where they generate the landmass and then kind of hand place, you know, dungeons and different things and kind of handcraft around that procedurally generated landmass. Because I think they did that for, like, Oblivion. Like, they randomly generated the trees. And, I mean, they've done that in the past. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to say that those things could be true. Yeah, if this is fake, it seems like this person uh, 
did their their homework because a lot of what they mentioned has a like you said like a a, a realm of possibility surrounding it um where for example the the procedural generation stuff you look at it and go like oh that's bullshit no way bethesda does that but when you look deeper uh the radiant quest lines even in both skyrim and fallout 4 uh while we tease them a lot uh those are definitely procedurally generated and you know bethesda carries that forward with each subsequent launch of their titles and so you wonder if they're going to take another big leap with it coleman what do you think i'm sorry strider that's my fault no problem I I personally think it's fake uh, because I think with the current engine, if the game, I believe Starfield's real and it's going to come out this year, but so I don't believe it's possible they made a new engine and I feel like they couldn't with, like they can't do horses really with the current engine (laughs) and I feel like they couldn't do like a uh, ship flying to be too like, Glitchy. It's a very good point. Yeah. Kopi, what about you? Uh, I don't think it's real, but like someone said, Starfield most definitely is probably gonna be announced this year and probably released. Um, a May a May announcement is plausible because like last year or not last year, last you know Fallout we got that, and then there were some leaks leading up to E3. A lot of it, like you said, Maddie, a lot of it. Um, some they did their homework. They did the research. A lot of it sounds plausible, but I don't know. Some some of it's just so I don't want to say outlandish, but it almost you know like procedurally generated colonies the size of Skyrim cities. That's pretty. Yeah. And then, and then filling the, that with procedurally generated factions like that's that's kind of big. I, I I could see the generation almost messing up. You know, hiccuping every now and then just with that. I don't know. <laughs> Well, and beyond that as well, I mean, you look at the current console generation, and even with mods for Fallout 4, like Sim Settlements, for example, it's pretty tough on the current, you know, the current iteration of the Bethesda engine to create these massive cityscapes with tons of textures and NPCs and stuff. So Skyrim-sized cities, I that sounds to me pretty, pretty out there. So, I mean, there are definitely elements to this leak that I say, mm, yeah, I don't think so, but... What do you guys I'm, think I'm about just hoped- the idea of taking an alien species, bringing it back, making it a playable race for another playthrough? That that was the one that stuck out to me. Is like this would be really cool, but I don't know if I buy it. I mean, it could work if they have like a finite number. Like, let's say that there are seven races, and when you're out there visiting these unknown planets, whatever, you have a very small chance of running into one, and then you have to also get back alive with them. So. Um, but then I, I don't think that there would just be an infinite number of randomly generated NPC races, because then you would get some, like, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever used the random generator in any of the Bethesda games, but you come up with some pretty uh, interesting looking characters, let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I agree to that. I, th- I think um, it's definitely going to be some a finite number, and it's almost going to be probably like a like a codex almost, and then you bring it back and it's like question marks or whatever, and then you and then a bunch of a description about the character pops up. Because if if you're going to be talking to NPCs, they're um they're they're probably going to refer to you as whatever species you're playing. And if that's procedurally generated, it wouldn't. Exactly. I don't see that playing out like that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like even in Skyrim, you know, they're like if you're an Arconian, the, you know, certain conversations will recognize that. And it's like if you come back with a procedurally generated race, then 
has the game acknowledge what the fuck is that yeah like especially if you're this new race wandering the planet it's just everyone like is it going to be generalized but they're going to be like what is that and that's it (laughs) how do you know if they're disgusted by you or if they're fascinated or if they don't care it's i feel like there's too much up in the air that could work against it and uh, it would break the immersion which i'd say bethesda can be pretty good at the other thing that i think is what what sticks out to me about this leak not being plausible as it takes two of Bethesda's greatest strengths and pretty much gets rid of them. I can see them doing more procedural generation, but if you get rid of handcrafted dungeons and especially their faction storylines, which I thought were always pretty good, those are easily two of their biggest strengths in any of the games that I've played from them. And so once you remove that, it's like, what's special about this other than exploration, which I love, but you can't even have that environmental storytelling that, for me personally, it like propels me. It gets me excited to go into a new dungeon just to find out what happened there. If all of that's gone, what's the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I mean it's in in a way they could tie them together. I, I could see them in a way tying them together just through random encounters and even with a lot of the faction storylines in I think Fallout Four and some of the others, um, like it's randomly generated. They say go to this dungeon and get this item. They could say, you know, go to this randomly generated planet and find this item, or maybe the planets are populated with certain set pieces, like you might have a unique random encounter that has a chance of populating on a planet, and then once you see it, it won't happen again, you know? Um, kind of like, um, what's the one in Fallout 4, the dude Art, where there's like two si- two dudes named Art, and one of them's a synth, and he's trying to kill the other one or yeah. something like that? <laughs> like, just those little random encounters that are unique, but they can happen, you know, in a various different locations. Maybe they can happen on these randomly generated planets as these sort of set pieces that populate there. Definitely. Um, I, I also feel like, wh- what do you guys, when they say, okay, it's not going to be sci-fi, it's going to be more of a space fantasy. Let's say Starfield is along those lines, you know, more like a Star Wars. Does that intrigue you more, or are you more of like the Mass Effect kind of harder sci-fi? Uh, I think that's basically saying, is it going to be more Fallout, is it, or is it going to be more Skyrim? Actually, yeah. And um, and I don't, I don't really know. I, th- I think I'm down for either or. Depends on how Bethesda tackles it, you know. Mm-hmm. Strider, you're about to say something. Yeah, I like both uh, versions, and I, I would love either or. But I would really love if there was magic in like a space game, kind of like. Uh, Magic similar to the Elder Scrolls or something like that. Mm. That would be really cool. Absolutely. But I doubt that they're doing that. <sighs> that I don't know why that idea never crossed my mind. Like, imagine fucking shooting fireballs out of your hand with, like, a laser assault <laughs> rifle on the other, and you're just oh, yeah. decimating space pirates. Sounds oh, awesome. Yeah. I'm mean, a big fan, yeah. personally, of uh, Warhammer 40K, and in, th- in that universe, they have psychers, and there's some magic and mysticism to it. Which I think, I, I honestly think it's going to be a blend of like Fallout gunplay with some of the mysticism and magic of Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Whether it's explicitly like shooting fireballs out of your hands, we'll see. I mean, that's awesome and I, that would be amazing. But uh, I mean, we'll see. It could be like teleportation, you know, kinetics, uh, you know, uh, uh, different kind of psychic powers. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. It could be. I definitely think there'll be some aspect of mysticism and magic, because to me, space fantasy says, you know, like Jedi or Psychers or, you know, uh, magic influence, basically. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking um, almost on the lines of Destiny, 
oh. how the how the characters you know act in that game. I, I don't really know if it's magic, but the traveler and everything you know his sup- like superior technology. I don't know if that's like referred to as magic in the Destiny universe or whatever, but I, that's kind of how I see it almost. Hmm. Like your ultimates and Destiny. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like that's that's kind of a, um, how I'm looking oh, at yeah. it right now. What do you guys think of the idea of infinite weapons in in a, in a Bethesda Game ah. Studios game, like a Borderlands loot system? Because for me, I always say like that's Borderlands. Borderlands is known for that. Let it stay with Borderlands. And I didn't really like the legendary weapon system in Fallout 4. So what are you guys thinking on that one? Um, gonna, I'll go ahead. It's going to happen, whether we like it or not. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll agree to that, yeah. Uh, look at that approach. All right. Yeah. Tell me why. <laughs> why must I accept my fate? Because I, I think the mass, like, we're kind of a, a small part of the... Like, we're the core fans. There's less of us than the mainstream uh, fans. And I feel like mainstream fans, like, if they hear there's, like, infinite amount of guns, they're, like, oh, cool. <laughs> and that makes them really excited about the game. And also, they really want to hype up this game because it's a new IP. So they're going to be making all these, like, uh, lines. Like, we have 100,000 more uh, lines of... Uh, writing dialogue than uh, Fallout 4 oh, and we're this much bigger than Fallout 4 and that's something they could say and start bragging about mm, it would be a good building point yeah for me uh, infinite weapons I don't know Fallout it just says to me that they're going to have like a couple of bases with lots of mods so that you basically get a large amount of variation so that there's kind of like infinite weapons, but not really. I mean, even in Borderlands, you have the different manufacturers and each of them has a different archetype, sniper rifle, you know, machine gun, whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's still a finite number of weapons in the end, but just because there's so many different recombinations of different mods and legendary effects and this and that. Exactly, yeah. So... And that's not to say they can't make a few uh, handmade and unique items and scatter them throughout the different quest lines and whatever and have that be part of the handcrafted experience, but I do think that we're going to see some kind of uh, randomly generated weapon system very similar to Fallout 4, but, you know, to the next level with everything with, like, a legendary elemental effect very similar to Borderlands um, or, you know, different, different types of legendary effects, I guess you could call them. Okay. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm hoping that it doesn't go down that path so much and but if it if it does, which as you guys are saying it probably will. Um they I hope they expand on it more at least. I mean Fallout Four they made it sound like there were so many combinations and you go in there and you're just gonna pick what's best, you know? Yeah. Like the the best uh muzzle, the best stock, whatever it's and, and you end up with not really that much variation. Sure in the enemies you fight, but what you're using there isn't you're just going to get whatever's best. And I, I guess that's kind of hard to avoid almost, but the best way, I guess, to avoid it would be going going down the unique weapon route without you know these procedurally generated weapons. But it's inevitable at this point. So, I don't know. I think or they just... also... Oh, go ahead. I think they also could place some special unique weapons in, like, certain uh, areas. Like... Uh, like how there's like Daedric artifacts and Skyrim and something similar to that, but like a Starfield version. And so they could also do a combination of both. So 
both fans get are happy. It's kind of what Fallout 4 tried to do. The, the issue I found was, like, Skyrim had amazing, unique weapons. Like, they fell mm-hmm. separate from the base weapons, like your iron swords or whatever. Um, whereas Fallout 4, and this is mainly because I think, you know, they're guns, so there's only so much you can go out of the realm of possibility. Like, the Cryonator was a good one, but um, there's only so far you can go with a unique weapon without, like, breaking the universe itself. Um, that it didn't feel that switched up. Like, you'd find, uh, like, what, like, Kellogg's, I think, uh, revolver or whatever, and it was kind of just a revolver. It didn't feel or look that different, if I remember correctly. But it just felt like with certain unique weapons, there wasn't as many, whoa, like, this feels separate from the bunch. Like, Crimvis Tooth was a good one. Um, But, like, outside of that, it's very hard to think of certain uniques that really stuck out as truly unique. Like the tactical yeah. shotgun, that was a, a amazing <laughs> weapon. It was just kind of like a normal shotgun, you know. There wasn't like this unique element to it, like a Waba Jack, for example. I remember in Fallout Three, they had a lot more unique weapons. Like you had the experimental Merv, which I know it's in Fallout Four, but I don't think it's a <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's a um, I don't think it's a weapon you find. I think it's just a modification you can do. But then they had like. They had that laser pistol that you could get from Colonel Autumn, and I think it was rapid fire, and if it wasn't, it was a really high rate of fire. Mm. Um, but like you said, there's not much in the Fallout side that they could do to um, almost make these weapons unique without ruining um, immersion, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, Fallout 3 arguably had a worse problem of what I was just talking about with 4. Like, I think a lot of Fallout 3 weapons just had unique names and didn't really have like a cool skin to them or... Uh, I should say model, rather, um, that made it feel separate or apart. It was just like an, another 10 millimeter pistol, but it did twice mm-hmm. as much damage and maybe like the fire rate was up a little bit, something along those lines. Uh, so that's the exciting part about Starfield is it's a new universe, and if it's space fantasy, you can really go crazy with something like that. And um, I'd, I'd hope that they would. Oh, man, like that idea of like wizards in space is so, <laughs> so wild to me. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's why I said I was like that's why it makes me think of Destiny because you got like the warlocks or whatever and they're kind of like mm-hmm. the wizards. That's why I just that my mind keeps rolling back to that's it's how I'm picturing it. <laughs> and I know, I know, but I'm that's just what keeps I keep rolling back to. No, I'm saying say like for all like of that. us because I'm sure you're not the only one. Like I'm sure oh, a lot and, of people are just listening, going, "This is like Destiny, No Man's Sky." Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I made a joke in the Discord the other day. It's like, what if No Man's Sky was good, you know? What if No Man's Sky was made by Bethesda, had some handcrafted content that was really high quality, and the procedural generation was actually good, and had some rules in place so you didn't have ridiculous things happening, like giraffes with, you know, snake feet or whatever. Uh, Just ridiculous kind of weird things that happen with procedural generation. But uh, going back to the vehicles things for a moment, um, I think we've seen that with the dragon riding and with the vertibirds in Fallout 4, they're incredibly buggy. And, I mean, they work, but kind of not really. <laughs> such a tease in Fallout 4. They're like, yeah, you, you ride one. I'm like, oh, sick. And you can just sit in the gunner seat and just fly by people. It's like, yeah. all right, 
Sick. And the minute you install mods, you just start flying through buildings, and it just messes up the height map of everything, and oh, it's so buggy. But anyway, I think that the spaceship is just going to be like a... It, you could maybe purchase different spaceships, but it'll be like your own kind of player home. Maybe they have the settlement system active there, so you can, you know, customize decorations and whatever. But it'll just be a cell that you go into, and then, like, from a star map, you'll select where you want to go, and then you'll get out of your cell, and the spaceship will be there in the port or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not going to be... there. I don't think there will be any flying through space or space combat in in Starfield. I don't see Bethesda doing that at all. That's not their forte. They would have to invest a lot of time and resources into developing that. And I think that would take away from other parts of the game. So, you know, do they want to do that? I don't think so. That's never really been their strong suit. So I think it's just going to be like a mobile player home, basically. Interesting. That's a a good thought, too, because... Strider hit on the the engine earlier, and then when you say that, like a mobile player home, that's maybe like a fast travel system. Um, that you you might be onto something there. That'd be interesting. What do you guys think about the idea of an expanded settlement system? You know, I've always said I'm of the mind that I don't hate the settlement system. Just I'd rather them focus, kind of like what we were just talking about with these ships. I'd rather them focus their resources somewhere else. Um, you know, more of on their forte than, you know, this endless content and rebuilding areas. But let's say it is in Starfield. You can establish colonies. It doesn't, you know, for me, I just don't want it to take away from the world. Where do you guys stand on settlement mode in general? Whoever would like to go yeah, first. I think um, it's going to be, if that were to happen, it would be more like Fallout 4, but almost even worse because you're getting procedurally generated colonies. And I don't know if these colonies that um, are procedurally generated if you're going to be able to take them over and then customize them yourself or whatever. But um, I just feel like it, there's not going to be any depth to the cities or other than like the main cities that you're going to. There's not going to be NPCs that matter or NPCs that have unique stories that you're going to have to do quests for them that are actually interesting rather than go fetch this or go save my daughter from some bandits or whatever. So I hope that um, the the colony system is isn't focused nearly as much as Fallout 4 was. But with this game, it, it seems like it will be just because of the aspect of going to different planets that are uncolonized and building up whatever you can. So I just hope that they, I hope that it doesn't, you know, ruin the story aspect. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I definitely hope it doesn't get in the way of the story because I think, I mean, in Fallout 4, it only did really towards the end. Um, but it it still did, and a lot of people just didn't want to use the settlement system at all. And whether or not that was because it was a Fallout title, you know, people may be more forgiving because maybe this is a new IP. It fits better with the universe. I just hope that it's not super intrusive on the main story and, like, in your face where people who don't want to don't have to spend a lot of time building up these settlements and colonizing and whatever. But I also hope that they expand ways you can interact with them. For example, like maybe you can not take one over, but just set up a trade route so that you have a, a colony on the system nearby or something, and then you're trading with them, but you don't necessarily control them directly. Or maybe the different factions have you setting up different outposts for specific factions. You know, Just kind of expand it to make it a little bit more meaningful, where it's more than just a, a way to gain resources, basically. Hmm. Strider, what about you? How do you? Where do you stand, rather, on the settlement system i personally liked it but i think it needs a lot of improvements like 
one thing that really irritated me is if you're going to build a house, you're going to build it so it looks nice, so there's not, like, holes all over it. And I feel like they could give a little bit more options. Mm-hmm. So it's it still needs to look like stuff that's been, like, uh, blown up. But they could have, like, made, like, normal-looking walls and stuff, too. Okay. Uh, also, I was really disappointed that they, the stuff you paid for, I feel like they should have just had that. If they released it later, it should have been free. Uh, yeah. I, I agree there. Wasteland <laughs> Workshop. I feel like they could have... Uh, God. Could have withheld that just so that they could get more money. Can, can we talk about Wasteland Workshop for like five seconds? Because oh god, <laughs> I remember trying to set up like a battle, and I was like, "This is so fucking bad." And it and was horrible. I, yeah, like I couldn't. I did it once, made a video on how to do it. And I'm like, I'm I'm probably never fucking doing this again because this is such a pain in the ass to get started. Like I spent five bucks to figure out how this thing works. I'm never doing it again. <laughs> Yeah, so I, janky. Yeah, I did like three hours. I built a little arena in my right. settlement, which I had to delete a bunch of my old stuff too because they had that limit that. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, that didn't really matter because you could just um, go over it by that one glitch or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I spent like three hours, and I was only doing it for the achievement because I I hundred percent fall for up to nuclear world, and I just kind of gave up. But um, yeah, it was it was absolutely horrible, and the the wasteland workshop DLCs are almost filler for the oh. season pass. Yeah, like, like, I, I hated it so much. It's like the commie block concrete set, just like building sad drab like concrete structures that just look oh, yeah. sad and and plain. Mm-hmm. And then and then they released mods on console or at least on Xbox, and almost half of the content they had in there was were not almost half of, but a good portion of the content in the Wasteland Workshops were already assets from the game. And a lot of these mods just gave you assets from the game that you couldn't use them with. Uh, in the yeah, settlement system remember, that you could now. I remember within the first week of Fallout 4 launching, there was a mod on PC that was called like Settlement System Expanded, and they took almost all the assets in the game and and just re-released them, and it, it let you expand your settlements immensely. Like it had all the Institute stuff, um, all the uh, what's the name of that gang that's supposed to like replicate the tunnel snakes, but what, it doesn't even come close. Uh, Adam Cats or whatever ah. they're called. Um, you know, it gave you assets for, like, all of this stuff. And it was, like I said, it was within the first week or two of the game. So, you know, I, I, I wasn't a fan of that move by Bethesda. As for uh, other leaks, this one, we'll talk about something more, we'll say, trustworthy. So, ResetEra.com is a website that has a kind of no BS policy when it comes to rumors and leaks, among other things. They, uh, at least according to their frequently asked questions section, where they say that, you know, Use common sense when you post these rumors and leaks. I think that goes with any site. But they also say that if you post false information um, without any type of source, that you're going to get banned. And so in natural Bethesda fashion, we get a little bit of info, but of course no actual source because uh, someone made a theory about how Starfield might be a mobile game to which a user on Reset Era says, no, it's not, and this uh, it's coming this fall, so just wait for E3. To which a administrator quotes his post and says, at the time, administrators cannot verify the content of the quoted post made by Potterson, who is the user who said that um, Starfield's coming this fall and at E3. Um, he cannot verify if the post made by him 
in this thread is accurate. However, the user has shared information with us that suggests they could be in a position to know the information they claim in the post. As always, Reset Era members take full responsibility for what they post. So, we have someone who might know something. We don't know how they know something. I'd like to start off with how. Perhaps this person may have come upon this information. You know, are they an industry insider? Do they work somewhere? What do you think he sent to prove himself? I heard that uh, what he sent was uh, he was like a family member or a friend. He wasn't an insider. Mm. Interesting. The the family member thing comes to full full circle, and we might have actually got our first Starfield leak from... (laughs) Oh, okay. Keep going. Sorry. One point is uh, they... When uh, somebody leaks something that their friend or uh, their family member uh, from them, uh, that means they uh, probably heard like a limited amount of information from them. So they're interpreting things. So some of the stuff might be wrong and some stuff might be right because they interpret it a certain way. Mm-hmm. Interesting. For me, a very limited leak like this, because it's basically just, yes, it's coming out and it's coming this fall. I mean, it's pretty. that's a pretty safe prediction to make because it's incredibly limited in scope. It's not like this other leak where it's all this, you know, full page of information about different systems and things. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm inclined to believe that Bethesda, especially with their tweet, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, um, they, they've got something to show off, Bethesda Game Studios, that is. And if it's Starfield, yes, it's going to be coming out this fall. I think it just makes sense. But uh, yeah, I think I think this leak is more credible. But just that's also a, just by nature of it's a safer leak to make. You know, it's just very limited. So that's a very good point, Kopi. What do you where do you stand on this leak? Uh, honestly, I I really have like no clue because I don't I'm not um, I don't really know big on you know the industry and the insides and outsides, but. Uh, like Dolph said, it's it's it was pretty safe, you know. They just said, "Yeah, it's coming out. It's not a mobile game," you know. So maybe, maybe if it's, I don't know, it's a family member or something. But I don't know. <laughs> I just I just find it hilarious. Is this where did you hear uh, Strider about this family member thing? Because that's the most interesting part to me now. Uh, I read like ten articles on it before, like last night. I don't know exactly uh, which. When it was okay, because mm. I, I just I personally just find that so funny because we we always joke about like, um, and especially in the comment section on my videos, I see it all the time where they're like, "Yeah, my dad's uncle's brother <laughs> works at Bethesda, and and Starfield's coming twenty twenty. You know, you see like those jokes, and if this actual leak becomes true, and it's because this guy was a family member of a developer, <laughs> that's gonna be incredible. But um, I I personally think that there's some legitimacy here. I agree. It's because of the limited scope. Sorry, Strider, I cut you off. What were you about to say? If it's a family member and friend, it it also, like, they might not know about Montreal Studios. They might just know about the studio, which their parent works at or friend. And uh, that's why they might not realize that they're working on a mobile game. So I'm pretty sure because I looked at some of the job hirings. Uh, for uh, Bethesda, and some of them indicate that there's going to be multiplayer because they're building, they're getting server programmers, and there's a lot of people 
they're hiring more people for mobile in Montreal. There we go. My man did his research before he came <laughs> on. Whoa, man. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> That's good shit. That's exciting, man. Yeah, because I was going to say, the idea that there's not going to be um, a, a mobile game for Bethesda Game Studios, after Fallout Shelter, I, I just... That's one thing I don't believe. That doesn't make sense to me. There, there's too much money to be made. I mean, what if Fallout Shelter make like a billion dollars or something like that in, in a couple of weeks? It was something insane. So I, I, what do you guys think? Let's say there is this mobile game. It, you know, is it going to be more of the Fallout Shelter experience? Build your own base. Do you think they go beyond that? You know, are there any general ideas? I don't think. A mobile game would render. Sorry, I'm eating right now. No, it's I don't think a mobile game would render Bethesda coming out saying, "Oh, we can't wait to show everything we've been working on." You know, mm. like they didn't talk about Fallout Shelter at all until Fallout 4 was announced, and it was a really big success. But I just don't think it that it's this. It's okay. what is coming. Hmm. What are you eating? A cake, chocolate cake. Oh, nice. oh that sounds that sounds delicious. It is very uh, delicious. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, a mobile game, I think, is a no-brainer at this point for Bethesda. I mean, they, they want to make money, right? So, I mean, they saw the how successful Fallout Shelter was, so I would very strongly imagine that they would want to make a tie-in um, for Starfield just to try and, and get that money. As to what form that takes, who knows? It could be... I, I could even envision like uh, almost like a Galaga, like bullet hell, you know, fly it through space with a spaceship oh, yeah. and try and dodge. That could be fun on a mobile platform, I think. Um, or like a base building thing similar to Fallout Shelter, but I would think they would want to do something different. So I wouldn't complain personally, though, if they did do the Fallout Shelter experience again. I, I had a lot of fun with that, um, especially if it's in a new universe. Like part of the fun of Fallout Shelter was when they started like saying, yeah, there are shared ideas, at least, between Fallout 4 and Shelter. It made Shelter a little more interesting, um, kind of like how ESO and ESL or Canon Lord will get into that later as well. Um, it kind of adds that additional intrigue where, let's say, Starfield gets this base-building thing. We're all discovering this new universe together and, and you know, what is going to be significant, what's the carryover into the next game. So I, I wouldn't personally be opposed to... a another kind of Fallout Shelter experience. I think it'd be a good time. Yeah, no, because I remember when Fallout, 4, or Fallout Shelter came out, they had, I think they had Preston as a as a um, character you could get, and they had Piper as well. And I was like, oh, so this is kind of what the character looks like. All right, so I can't wait to see them in-game, you know? Exactly. It was like an interaction with what you're going to see soon. It's smart. It makes sense. Yeah. It's and like so, a teaser. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm all on board with that. Strider, you got to pick a mobile game. What are you doing? Uh, I'm not quite sure what it's going to be like. I just know that it's going to have one thing. It's going to have loot boxes. Mm-hmm. And oh, for sure. I, I really hope it's more like Fallout uh, Shelter than like a Clash of Clans, like where Clash of Clans makes you wait for days for something to build to basically be like, you better pay us or you got to suffer. <laughs> and Fallout Three or Fallout Shelter was at least reasonable, so like you could play for like a long period, like play for a few hours. Whereas Clash of Clans, it's more like, do I really want to sit here and watch this thing for three hours? Yeah, absolutely. Right, Clash guys, of Clans uh, was a nightmare. Have you guys played um, 
like any of the new Fallout Shelter updates, like when they added questing and stuff along those lines, and Nuka-Cola Quantum. Yeah, I, I played it um, actually when they released it on console, or oh, wow. I guess, yeah, and they had the questing in there. It was it was fun, but there was kind of a wait aspect to it yeah. that they added. They had to wait to travel there, and then, I don't know, it's like almost a waste, because a, a lot of times they were very difficult, and you would just end up losing people. Mm-hmm. So I, I would just send in my high look at people would get the best loot. <laughs> they kind of like, um, kind of like sacrifices for the vault, you know, get all the yeah. best loot and get out of there as quick <laughs> as you can. But. Yeah, that's all yeah. I was about to say though is that like Fallout Shelter at launch, I felt was like the ideal mobile game. That's why I made so much money. And then they added like questing, which was sick, and it came with that Nuka Cola Quantum thing where you had to wait. And I, I thought to myself, this kind of isn't what the game was built off of you know this game was supposed to be just a game and, and it made so much money because people were were buying just lunch boxes that's where all the money could have only gone to so that's the only concern i have is if they're replicating that experience um the questing was fun especially when they did like holiday quests and stuff that was uh like a good time but i, I just hope that they kind of shorten the, the wait time i get they, they want to make money and the way they do that is they entice the person to who's playing to say, like, hey, you don't have to wait. You just buy, like, $5 worth of Quantum. Um, which, like, I made a Let's Play video a while back for Fallout Shelter. And I, I remember, like, you know, because I'm recording it thinking, like, oh, I'll do some quests. And then they're like, you got to buy Quantum. And I'm like, fuck me, man. Like, I'm actually about to spend money in a video. But, um, like, uh, going off track there, you know, what I'm just saying is I hope that they keep it the more traditional Shelter experience, if that's even what they do. I like the idea of a bullet hell game, though, even though I suck at those. <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> I'm so bad at it like Undertale is the bane of my existence cause <laughs> I know I, I love the game just like anyone else but like some of the bosses on the genocide playthrough I, oh my god it's torture it's torture I'm excited to play that when it comes out on Switch cause I've never played it before oh it's great it's so great it's it's a really endearing game but uh, like if you're, <laughs> if you're like me and you're just you just feel like old when you're playing them because i'm not old but like when i can't react properly because of the bullet hell sequence i'm like am i am i aging like is this really happening <laughs> are my reflexes, reflexes of the down? first go yeah. <laughs> it's like no this is awful so it, like that was one game that i was just like fuck it man i'm dropping this <laughs> i didn't finish my genocide playthrough all right let's move on over to a peculiar tweet from bethesda themselves so they earned a million followers on Twitter. Pretty dope. Good for them. Congrats, Bethesda Game Studios, for such widespread success. And they followed that up by thanking everyone a million for the followers and then saying, we can't wait to show you what we're working on. They didn't say soon. They just said they can't wait to show us what they're working on. Naturally, it's inferred that that probably means Bethesda Game Studios is going to be at E3 showing something. Is Was that the general consensus here? Were we all reading that thinking the same thing? Yeah, yeah. whether it's at E3 or they announce it beforehand and then show it at E3, it's going to be, I think, announced very soon, Mm. like within the next two months. I I, I just don't see a company um, coming out with a hidden announcement and then saying, we can't wait, and it's like a year later, you know? I just don't see that as something that would happen. It's also they kind of put themselves on watch by saying that. Like, I think they had to have known when they say that. (laughs) That everyone's like, okay, we can't wait either. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna see it either, right? Like one of those things. So I, and then they're just not there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say like they kind of 
Maybe it's unintentionally, but uh, they, they kind of set themselves up for a little disappointment if they're not there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it almost has to be intentional in a way, right? Like, they, they make this one tweet, and suddenly we're all making videos and speculating about this, and the hype <laughs> machine's rolling, and, I mean, we're giving them free advertising, basically, for a game that we don't even know is real yet, mm -hmm. for sure. So, <laughs> yeah, that's like, a good point. I don't know. It, for them, I, it's, I think it's a pretty masterful PR move. Whether they're going to be at E3 or not, I mean, they didn't say soon, but to me, I, I agree that we can't wait sounds like it's got to be very soon. Do you think they go with the May reveal, kind of like Fallout 4? Yeah. Yeah, I do. See, I'd like that. Um, but if it's like a new IP, let's say it is Starfield, because, I mean, there's there's always the chance, like, there's I've seen some wild theories, man. And, and like, some of them, I'm like, God, this is actually almost plausible, because I think someone did, like, some research for Elder Scrolls, and I think um, they said something like, in the lore, there is this, thing called like the star field that you can pass through <laughs> yeah it, it was like actually a thing and i was like oh fuck they're sort of like is starfield a code name for the upcoming elder scrolls game and i thought you know there is like a little bit of plausibility there but uh, we ha we have to keep an open mind that this could be something else um but then again you look at what pete Hines said and how he's like they've earned the right to do something new because they don't want to just be fallout elder scrolls fallout elder scrolls um but regardless so, let's say it is a, uh, a May reveal. What do you think we see? Is it kind of like Fallout 4, a little gameplay trailer, or is it going to be cinematic? Because I, I think it varies was... depending on what the game is, right? If it's Fallout 4, you just want to see the game. But if it's a new IP, do they want to sell the idea and the intrigue with, like, a CGI trailer? That's kind of what I'm getting at here. Maybe I could see them doing uh, CGI over <clears throat> over gameplay just because it's something new that we haven't seen before. And then people are like, oh, man, whoa. Because yeah. we know the gameplay is going to be like Skyrim and – not Skyrim, Elder Scrolls and Fallout. Like we know how Bethesda, you know, works with their – just, they just feel similar. So we know it's going to be like that somewhat. So I can see them going for a CGI to introduce, you know, the story, the whatever it is. Because we don't know anything about it. So we, we have to get something to, to fill us, you know, give us some nice <laughs> information. Yeah, I, I could see CGI or even live action too, like a live action trailer yeah, yeah. with people like going through space and looking at planets and whatever. Um, but I, I agree that to sell a new IP, I think you need to kind of introduce the universe, maybe not with gameplay. Um, I, I do think that a cinematic trailer of some kind, whether it be CG or, or whatever, um, is probably going to be the most likely. I mean, who knows? They could throw us a curveball, but... Personally, I think that's the best way to introduce a new idea, to kind of sell the, the universe and introduce you to, okay, maybe these are some characters, this is what you're going to be doing, you know, this is what's going on. Um, yeah, we'll see. I think, it's, I think it's at least, like, a... At the minimum, it's going to be... They're going to release, like, a photo or something from the game that gives you hints. But I think they're most likely going to do a uh, live-action uh, trailer. Hmm. Yeah, I was I was about to with Fallout I was about to, 4 they, they did that like please stand by and then they did the, the trailer the next day yeah, that was amazing I love that so much yeah right so like that's the thing is with Fallout 4 like a lot of people built it up themselves like we were excited uh, and then it got announced um, with this it's Starfield there's that realm of the unknown like I said it can really be anything it might not even be Starfield it could be um like I said, it could be anything. 
Um, so, like, did Bethesda's announcement tactics can vary up now. You know, do they want to just go at it with an announcement? Do they want to tease something? Because um, we see what happens when you tease, like, a sequel with a Fallout 4, or I think more recently, for a better example, would be, like, a Red Dead Redemption 2, where you just change your logo to something red, and people go, mm-hmm. oh, my God, it's happening. Um, but there was that familiarity, because it was Red Dead Redemption. Whereas with the new IP... Um, like Dov said, I think you, you kind of need to introduce the universe. So I'm very curious to see how Bethesda does this, or do they just entirely disregard uh, a May announcement and say we're just going to surprise them at E3 when everyone's watching? I, I was just going to say the the issue with E3 is I think sometimes you can get lost in the chaos a little bit just because oh. E3 is all this stuff going on everywhere. So for me, if I was a company, I would want to announce something just prior to E3 so that then I could show it off there and it's already in people's consciousness that it's there and I'm not having to try and spread this new idea amidst all this other noise. Hell yeah. It's mm-hmm. a good point. It's a very yeah, good like- point. Like Strider said, I, I could even see them just tweeting out a picture or a logo or something. It says Starfield, and then maybe like a web page with information about, like a more information, a little link, and then we see everything. <laughs> yeah, I could, I'm just laughing because I could see now them just Googling like a like an actual Starfield <laughs> and, and just posting that picture, no caption. Everyone would freak out, I think, at that point. Yeah. That yeah. would be, that's what they could do, though. See, that's something yeah. if it were Starfield, that would be interesting. Oh man. And it's it's basically just like yeah, this is you're gonna see this at E three is is basically what it is, right? Yeah. I think they should do something like what the Cloverfield movies did, where they release like uh things about like the universe. So like they had like uh, they made fake like uh MySpace pages and like they made fake websites that people would go to and that'd be really interesting and Bethesda like an ARG. fans, yeah, ARG, and we would absolutely love that because it's something to do to. Because we're always trying to figure out what they're doing, so they can yeah. give us stuff, so we can try to figure out what they're doing. I'd love that too because, um, although it was a lot of heartbreak, you know, some of the fondest memories with an ARG was was the Survivor twenty two ninety nine. That was you know, mm-hmm. uh, that was such a blast just digging in. And, and finding out all we could on something, and, and like them next time they like they post a number and it's a Vault Tech number, you're like, this got to be Fallout, man. Um, so you know, like, I'd love for Bethesda to embrace that and, and create a marketing campaign around that. The question is, you know, does that get the widespread attention they need? I think they already have it. So what do they? So for them, it's, it's as a business, they're probably like, do we need to invest all these resources and time? Um, Probably not, but would it be fun? Oh my god, yeah, I'd love something like that if they did like an ARG with websites and. <sighs> yeah, I'm. I'm just thinking about. I don't know if you guys played Overwatch. I think Maddie. I think you did. I've but I remember back. <laughs> yeah, me, I was playing it today actually. But um, I remember way back when the first ever hero that they were going to release as um, as an extra, they had this uh, Sombra ARG, and it was insane. But it was kind of a letdown. Oh yeah, like they toward, dragged, towards they the end. That out. Yeah, but it was it was still really like the community. It was really fun to see that, you know, go, transpire. That's so I could that would be that'd be uh, that'd be really fun. I think I think that'd be cool. Do I see it happening? I don't think so, but it would be cool. Well, yeah, I mean, Overwatch is another one. That was that's a good example, and kind of disproves what I said because I'm thinking like, oh, if you're so popular, 
and you know what's what why would you do it but overwatch is insanely popular Still. well the the thing is um sombra was it, it yeah it is popular but i think the the ARG was mo- kind of because sombra was almost this stealthy yeah, you know under the hacker. table hacker girl so i think it, that kind of played in her character more because overwatch does like these little teasers every now and then on there you know mm-hmm. but it's not so much as big as sombra was but I think no, that's just more it's about more her character. Traditional, like you search the new maps for yeah. more hints, and then you, you deduce what's going on in the future <clears> based <throat> off that stuff. I, I, I think which, that's kind of what I've seen. Yeah, which is kind of it's kind of been disappointing lately. They really haven't been giving us as much as yeah I we wanted. I haven't played Overwatch in a while. I've had like a craving to go back, but um, you should definitely like, play it during this event. It's the intimidation the of learning the meta again because, like, when I last oh, played it, it was yeah, it, you know, it was like Mercy was good. You could like you could use most still support pretty characters, good. Um, but like now with Moira being added and um, there's other She's characters. She's so good. Yeah, like I've heard that things have just changed a ton, and I feel like the characters I normally use probably wouldn't be as good now. <laughs> but I, I, like I said, I used to play support like Lucio or or Mercy. Yeah, so. Lucio's still. I mean, you could still play. Any support? I think Ana's the only one that's like you don't want to you don't want to touch her. Oh, she used to be busted though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but then then the triple tank meta died, so you uh, know she died too. Oh, it's a triple tank. Yeah, we used to do like Winston, Zarya, and, and yeah, yeah. Oh, I really want to go back and play now. <laughs> yeah, if you if you're if you're gonna go back, you should go back like soon because the, the event that's going on right now is really it's fun, but it's I don't know, I like it. Cool. So this Bethesda Game Studios tweet. Uh, anything we want to add on? Any more speculative points to talk on? I have a theory that I believe is possible, but right. like is most likely not true. Everyone I think it's possible that Id <laughs> is the one that uh, is doing uh, Starfield, and I think it would be really funny if at E3, Id revealed it. <laughs> so everybody thinks it's BGS. So and, why, uh, why do you think it's Id? So, like, when I was, I think it's possible, I don't think it's, I think it's most likely BGS, but, like, uh, when I was reading the trademarks, there were some, they're really good at making first-person shooters, and in the trademarks, compared to, I've, I've read Fallout, Skyrims, and uh, Starfields, and with the Starfields, they had, they had a bunch of stuff about online stuff and competitions and tournaments, Whereas oh, there's nothing for Skyrim and Fallout. And I feel like BGS isn't the type of developer where they make competitive, competitive games for tournaments besides speedrunning them. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they added that to the trademark. So I think it's possible that there could be a Doom-like game that is multiplayer that is in space. Interesting. We're going back to the the um, <clears throat> the leak the, the the procedural generation. I with what you just said, I'm, I'm almost seeing the new game as kind of like a sea of thieves, where you have a bunch of different ships flying around the the galaxy at one time and <laughs> a bunch of different people. Oh, God. That's interesting. Uh, I'd be interested to see the multiplayer aspect. Certainly, um, I do think that potentially we could see some kind of co-op multiplayer where you know you can get like a crew of four and go out and explore planets and whatever. 
Um, I know a lot of people have wanted for a long time, like even just with the mainline BGS titles, to have co-op multiplayer where you could at least like drop in and play as Piper or something, you know, play as a companion in your friend's storyline or whatever, or have even like uh, some people have wanted like a Borderlands style, you know, four-player co-op shooter game. But uh, I definitely could see some kind of crew mechanic where you get, you know, up to four friends and maybe fly around on one person's ship and you go do stuff and or explore these re- procedurally generated areas, whereas maybe the, the handcrafted areas are a single-player-only experience. Hmm. Yeah, I could, with what, um, going back to what Leek had said, your character's not special, which would r- leave room for that because then, you know, you're not going to have two lone wanderers walking around, yeah. right? It would just be four whatever you are, you know, so I could see that. I could see how that would fit in well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like multiplayer is in Bethesda's future. Uh, I know it's not a fit, but they they just seem kind of... I feel like Fallout 4 didn't have the legs that they wanted or expected, and I think with the way the industry's trending, I know Bethesda's very much like a do-their-own-thing kind of company, and so I wouldn't be surprised if they went the opposite way, but I also wouldn't be surprised either if they decided to you know follow a trend make a a multiplayer game um almost a hero shooter or whatever it is and something in their own vein like uh i hate to use the comparison but i i do think of destiny where you have like the, the pve content and then you can go to the pvp with the stuff you've looted um it, it sounds incredibly like Sounds Destiny. too much like yeah, Destiny. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's <laughs> starting to disturb me. I think I'm going to have nightmares tonight. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, the random loot it procedurally generated is just like, oh, God. Yeah. Sounds so much like it. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe that's... That's the thing is like this Reddit leak doesn't have as much credit as um, or as much plausibility surrounding it as potentially that one from Reset Era. So when you look at the potentially fake one and you start seeing the similarities like a Destiny, um, No Man's Sky, I think it kind of adds to how it's probably fake, right? Because, like, there's, mm-hmm. it's, it's clear that, like, he did his research on BGS, but it's also clear that a lot of the sources he drew from were other popular space games. Like, uh, all those randomly generated shit and the weapons and stuff. I, I see the weapons being a thing just because of how Fallout 4 went down, yeah. but... I don't know. No, I agree with that. Sadly. <laughs> yeah. As, uh, as Strider would say, we're getting it whether we like it or not. <laughs> it's inevitable. Anyway, <laughs> now we're going to shift over to the lore side of things. That's enough about Starfield leaks and Bethesda Game Studio speculation. Uh, un- until later, we have one more topic for that. Uh, for now, we're going to talk about Elder Scrolls Online and Elder Scrolls Legends. Uh, my buddy Cam Lorks, he did a little interview with Matt Fire, who is the, uh, as he would say, the, the Todd Howard of ZeniMax Online Studios. So he's the game director for Elder Scrolls Online. And um, he just confirmed, and, and this has been confirmed in the past, I think uh, part of the reason it wasn't common knowledge or official knowledge is because there's a lot of disregard surrounding ESO. It's like, oh, this game's not the real Elder Scrolls I like, so therefore it doesn't count. And there are lore inconsistencies that have happened, so therefore I can imagine a lot of people just instantly disregard it because of that. But uh, Matt Fire did confirm that this is all canon lore. What's happening in the ESL storyline, ESO, they have lore masters, and it's all part of the Elder Scrolls universe. So has anyone here played some ESO in their day? 
I have played a bit of ESO, and I have to say, um, not that the the ESO, the the contradictions between the lore of the other games uh, bothered me at all, because, I mean, even if you look at all of the Elder Scrolls games have lore contradictions, and it's the reason they're set hundreds of years apart is so that Bethesda doesn't have to be super fine detail about the lore and this and that and what happened, and Mm. you can make choices in the game and not have it impact the later storyline, and... Like I said, the lore has never been consistent. I mean, you have, like, the end of Daggerfall, for example. There's five different endings, and in Morrowind, they went, okay, all of them happened at the same time, and there was a dragon break. Well, what's a dragon break? It's magic. Don't don't question it, you know? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's... The lore of the Elder Scrolls has never been that consistent. So to say that ESO and ESL are canon is... Yeah, sure, why not? They can be, sure. Um, and it's the IP owner's right to say what is canon and what is not. That being said, I played ESO and I can't think of a single dialogue sequence that I read or listened to, to be honest. Like, I literally just skipped through everything (laughs) because it just wasn't interesting to me. Like, it's not that the contradictions bothered me, it's just that I didn't find the lore of ESO compelling. And I've never played Legends. I hear it's good, but I have no idea about the lore of that game. (laughs) What about the rest of you? Any ESO or ESL in your days? Oh, five hours. (laughs) <laughs> Not much. I played a, I uh, a good bit of ESO, but it was kind of I kind of regretted buying it on console, unfortunately. Did you buy it but on like, um, oh wait, if you bought it on console, uh, Tamriel Unlimited, right? Yeah, sixty bucks. But um, like Dolph said, I, I didn't pay attention to anything. I just kind of went in with my friends, like, oh, Skyrim multiplayer, and obviously that's not what it was, but. <laughs> Yeah. See, I've, so been, I've been playing Somerset early. Um, Bethesda gave me, I'm making a video on it, Bethesda gave me access to the beta, or the closed beta for it, and I, I can't say anything about the story uh, other than, like, I actually found myself uh, surprisingly intrigued, and it wasn't because I'm on, like, an Elder Scrolls kick lately, because a, a lot of people know I, I started a new playthrough on Oblivion, and that's already, like, kind of satiating my taste for Elder Scrolls. So, actually, the idea of, like, starting another new ES adventure was kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this as much as, like, I could. But I actually found it really gripping. Um, it, it was... The situation that was presented in the story um, was something I, I haven't really seen in Elder Scrolls. I, I can say, yeah, because I know when the quest I can't talk about up until, so... Like, they, they open the borders for the Somerset Isle, and the Altmer are kind of, like, conflicted about, all right, we have all these new races coming in, but we're more of an isolated type of people. Uh, you know, is this for the best? Um, and, and seeing how people react to Queen Irene's uh, decree, uh, it's it's really interesting, it, you know, because everyone's got their own take on it, and it, it kind of felt, like, almost political in a way. Um, so what that that's kind of gripped me. Whereas Morrowind, which I also tested in uh, last year, I didn't find as gripping because I felt they were just trying to stay in line too much with uh, the original Morrowind. And um, I feel like that limited their potential creativity. Um, whereas, like, other ones I've played and enjoyed. Like, I love the Dark Brotherhood expansion for uh, ESO. Um, but what I'm trying to say is, is that the game has improved, if, you know, because it seems like you guys haven't played it in a while. Um, but it's storytelling-wise, at least, because for me, I agree. Like, sometimes the side stories, like, you hit that point where it's, like, MMO-ish, and you're just killing a bunch of enemies and 
trugging along, but uh, at least in the expansions, it feels like they're listening and a lot of the storytelling's improved. Yeah, I haven't played any... Uh, I've played a little bit of the Dark Brotherhood and the Thieves Guild, but beyond that, I haven't played any of the expansions. So um, I, did, I do have to say, the areas there were crafted better. I can't say that, at least right now, I don't remember that the stories were that much more impactful for me in those areas. Um, okay. From what I understand, the Orsinium DLC was really good, and I haven't played Morrowind, um, and I don't plan on getting the Somerset Isles. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah... Elder For me, the story is just one, uh, not... I'm just kind of surprised about it. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, I was just going to say, the story for me is just not super compelling. Understandable. What do you guys feel about a, an Elder Scrolls card game? Is canon. <laughs> well, what, I've, I'm not big on the Elder Scrolls lore exactly, so what, is, what does that mean? Like, what... So, what <laughs> one uh, common thing about Elder Scrolls lore is that's not an accurate narrator. So it's you pretty much can say anything's canon because like so like when you're playing Skyrim, there actually isn't only like twenty three cabbages per uh, like how many people live in one city or something like that. Like uh, it's actually much more vast. It's just like a uh, it's a representative of the real thing. So mm. like the card game could be theoretically or it could be somebody's actually going to battle with another person, but the game mechanics is just people playing, uh, using cards against each other. This I, I just think about uh, Gwent and Witcher, and I see how they be like, oh, that's canon, because it's a game. It's a card game inside of The Witcher, or even Courier in New Vegas. I think that's what it was called, right? Yeah. What it, Caravan. Yeah. Caravan. Oh, yeah, Caravan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just think like I, I don't know. I have never played Legends. I know nothing about it, so I don't. I don't know what that means by saying, like how they say it's it's canon. I don't. I guess I don't know. Because Elder it's got a main story. If that's oh okay, order. I was going to oh, ask because okay. Legends have its own story, but okay, that makes sense then. Yeah, that's that. Sorry, I, I should have specified. It's not the game itself. It's it's the story in the game itself. Um, All right. That that's what's canon. And that that surprised me personally. Like that would be one I'd look at and go, "It's probably not canon." Like you know, it's just you're, you're playing a main story in a card game. Um, and, and what's funny is the idea is like it's not even like people sitting down and like you know and Gwent and, and playing a card game. It's it's like as the story progresses, it's about this guy Tyr who's he's doing some type of shit. I don't remember. And um, he like will, will be attacked by wolves. And they're like, you have to defend yourself. And then, like, a card game starts. And it's like, you're obviously not putting cards down in front of a wolf. Like, they're, they're <laughs> technically fighting. <and laughs> the card battle represents the, the fight itself. It, it's strange. It's like they wanted to tell a story but didn't have the right gameplay systems for it. It's, it's very – it's odd. It feels weird. But um, that, that was one that caught me off guard. So, yeah, ESO and ESL are indeed canon lore. Um, I think – one thing that, yeah, you were just touching on this, Dryer, was the unreliable narrator. Um, that's something I wish I mentioned in my video about this because it was such a good point that, um, you know, kind of like even people in real life, you know, everyone's got their own perspective on, on certain things, uh, certain gods. So it gives the, the leniency to almost have a lore error because you could just say, oh, it's the unreliable narrator. And it means like that person saying like, 
here's the decree of of this god Oriel or whatever. Um, you know that per, that decree. You know that's their perspective on the decree itself. So it, it's like um, it allows flexibility for lore errors, which I don't know if that's like a cop out. I mean, it makes sense, right? But um, like a story inside the story. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, like one person will think one thing about this situation, and someone mm. else will think another. And then you go to the next game, and then they'll retell that story. It'll be different from what exactly happened there because you know it's hundreds of years down the line. So therefore, it's going to be inaccurate. Like it's it's very interesting how it all. Works yeah, out. like that's yeah. that's how they could do like di- uh, different decisions and um and like you can do this or that, and then a hundred years later, someone will say this happened, someone will say that happened. No one knows if the dragonborn uh, killed. I don't know what I'm, I don't know what a story in Skyrim, but like they could um, they could just use that that inconsistency as an aspect to say it wasn't decided what actually happened in the game. I don't know if you guys understand what I'm saying, but yeah, like like did the Dragonborn? Let's say the Dark Brotherhood quest line. Did the Dragonborn kill the Emperor? or Was it someone else? You know, we we may never yeah. know. And that's the point is that for me, it's you could say it's a crutch. I mean, that's. I don't think it would be necessarily wrong to call it that because it does allow them to not have to worry so much about the lore and be able to focus more on making a fun game, making good, solid gameplay mechanics and crafting and uh, hopefully an interesting story. Um, But yeah, I I do think that you look at the... Even like the older games like Elder Scrolls Redguard and stuff. And by the way, canons are canon. If you say that all the games are canon... In Red Guards, they reference cannons, and there are indeed the sound of cannons as well. So cannons are indeed cannons. powder. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's you, sure all of them can be canon, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that Bethesda does overuse the unreliable narrator and these other crutches like the Dragon Break or like oh Cyrodiil is a swamp. Oh no, that was just a misland mistranslation in this book. Like. A certain amount of that, I think, adds some immersion and some depth to the world, and it's one of the things that makes the Elder Scrolls really interesting. Mm-hmm. But I do think that Bethesda tends to overuse it somewhat in that they're trying to excuse yeah. things and and kind of cover their it's mistakes like, in a way. An example I've always used um, since the discussion has cropped up is Hammerfell. Like you know, anytime you talk about Hammerfell and the Elder Scrolls, they go, "Oh, it's it's just desert. There's nothing really there. It's just a lot of desert." And it's like I guarantee. Um, cause you were just talking about the Red Guard and cannons, and, you know, I can imagine, like, Bethesda saying, like, well, if we put them in Hammerfell, like, maybe we can make, like, a ship mechanic as well, and on top of that, like, you know, they'll, they'll obviously make the world more visually enticing. Uh, you can go to Hammerfell in ESO, and it looks a lot better, but, like, I'm saying that if it's all just straight desert, kind of like in New Vegas, uh, as much as I love New Vegas, you know, that can definitely lose a couple of folk especially nowadays where graphics play such a huge factor in consumer interest, believe it or not. I think it said, I think the statistic was like 50% of consumers decide whether or not they're going to buy a game. Just first look on graphics alone. It's not even the gameplay. They just want to know if it looks good. So I think what I'm trying to, or rather I know what I'm trying to get at is um, that I feel like Bethesda will retcon and lean on this crutch as much as they have to because if they come up with a good idea and it can fit a certain world space in uh, Tamriel, and they're just going to do that. At least they, in, in my humble opinion. Uh, my limited lore knowledge for Elder Scrolls as I try to learn more. So, for my... Uh, I'm not a lore master, but uh, I know a decent amount about Hammerfell. And from what I know, there's a little bit of Crockle areas in it. 
mm-hmm. and they could just make it a little bit bigger than it like has been like not make it vastly bigger than it's been reported in previous games mm-hmm. just have it a little bit bigger so it's enough where it can intrigue the player but not enough where a uh, huge lore fan can point it out interesting yeah definitely and stuff like that you know uh, another example is, is Skyrim. Oh, it's just a frozen tundra. No. <laughs> like, we, we play Skyrim, and there's beautiful sections of the game that's just wooded area. And then there are those snow-capped mountains and stuff along those lines. But um, it's definitely not a frozen tundra unless you're at, like, the throat of the world. So, yeah, Bethesda's not afraid to retcon and change things because... Skyrim made for an excellent world space in a really fun game, and and so I'm glad that they you know leaned on the crutch there, right, and and changed things up. Same thing with Cyrodiil, and like you said, it was like, oh, it's a swampy area, but Oblivion was an incredible game, especially for its time. I'm glad that they didn't just stick to their guns and say, well, we can't go to Cyrodiil because we said it's swampy. You know, it's things like that that I agree with being strict with the lore, but I think in a situation like this. Um, or, or for future Elder Scrolls games, I think it's a smart choice to keep the, the options open and just let the stories be told. As, uh, like Dov said, it builds a more interesting universe. Um, last topic that we can hop into is going to be about what we can expect from Bethesda's E3 conference. I figured, you know, this is going to be a conversation, ladies and gentlemen, who listen to the podcast weekly. Just know, I'm saying it right now, we're revisiting this multiple times as more rumors develop because... Um, you know, it's becoming more and more easier to predict what we can see. And as I bring on guests, I like to hear their takes. And I know other listeners out there like to hear the the di- different takes of people and what they feel is coming to E three. So, in whatever order you guys would like to go to or go through, what what are you expecting from Bethesda's E three conference this year? Um. So my my good boy Camelworks, uh, he made a video recently about, uh, there was a quote from PAX, uh, Pete Hines saying, uh, let's see here, we have a lot of new games and new projects. So, so to me that says they're going to be showing off some new games and new projects to me says DLC. Now, whether that's like a single player DLC for Doom or, you know, something along those lines, I even had the thought of maybe it's, uh, some expanded creation club content where we're getting something that's actually oh, substantial, gosh. like a like a quest DLC or a, a new area DLC, essentially through the creation club. Because I know they've retained some, uh, like I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they retained like Trainwiz and some other some other mod makers who are more known for their world space creation and quest creation. So maybe they're going to show off some larger scale creation club content. Cause that's what everyone's been requesting. You know, that's what everyone wants to see through this system is to, for these games to get more content. That's actually meaningful, right? Yeah. I'd be willing to pay another, you know, 10 bucks for an automatron size DLC personally. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. For me, the new projects thing stands out. I mean, we know new games. Most likely, we've kind of speculated that uh, Starfield's going to be announced. But we'll see what that new projects. That To me, that's the most intriguing part. Okay. Kofi, what about you? Uh, I honestly don't really know. Um, it would be interesting to see some good Creation Club content come out, like you said, like uh, like Expanded Worlds or whatever. But um, with DLC, I don't know. Maybe instead of doing Creation Club, we could actually get another Fallout 4 something. I mean, I guess they're done with it, but 
Uh, Starfield, obviously, but I don't know. I I really don't oh, really like another Fallout game, like a Fallout. No, game. no, another Fallout like DLC. But I I think they're done with it. But another project, like another project, would be nice to see. I don't know a different area we could visit in Fallout Four. But I guess Creation Club would be the the uh, the wiser decision, I suppose, for as to how they would tackle that. Well, because that way they can use outside talent. They don't have to use their Bethesda employees to make this content, right? So it's not taking mm-hmm. away from the development of other things. Mm-hmm. They can use the outside talent from the creation club to develop something that's meaningful. And I, I honestly think it would be a big success if Bethesda were to do something like that. So if anyone from Bethesda is listening, please do that. <laughs> Strider, what about you? What do you expect from BE3? Someone is going to, somebody that, one of the companies that is under uh, Bethesda Softworks is going to release Starfield. I'm I'm 100% sure of one of them. And I'm 90% sure it's going to be Bethesda Game Studios. Okay. And I think there's going to be a Prey expansion. Uh, I think they're also going to update us on the Creation Club. And they're probably going to talk about how it's going to be used in Starfield, maybe. Yeah, that's I was probably. Yeah, I was just gonna. <laughs> I was just gonna quickly interject. I, I we'll probably see Creation Club Day One for Starfield. I hope not, but probably. Hmm. What about uh, user created mods for uh, for Starfield? Like how Fallout Four has the, what is it called the the Bethesda mod uh, creation kit? I Bethesda mean, if Net, it's me. yeah. It's made on the same engine as Fallout 4. I mean, regardless of whether Bethesda develops tools for users to make mods, there are already tools available for that system that would just need to be adapted to Starfield. So mm-hmm. I would imagine that we're going to see, I mean, with Fallout 4, we saw pretty much day one modding take place on the Nexus and some other areas. So, yeah, I would imagine that if Starfield's built on the same architecture, it's going to be day one modding, probably. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, so that's my thing, is like, if it's built on the same modding architecture as you just said, then the natural thought would be, like, I mean, think of how long it took for Fallout 4 mods to come out. Um, and now that they have the infrastructure set up for Bethesda Net, for Creation Club, will all of that come out a little bit sooner? Will it be delayed now because they got three different systems to manage? Um, those are the things I, I personally wonder. For me, I'm expecting Doom 2 um, at E3. I just, I feel like, you know, it's been so quiet, and they didn't make, you know, they made multiplayer DLC, so there was, like, new maps, but that definitely didn't demand the, the full team on that whatsoever. Um, it was very surprising that they went all in on multiplayer DLC, considering the, the most popular part of this entire game was absolutely single player. Um, so I, I think Doom 2 is, is ready to go this year. Like, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna either get the similar treatment it got at E3 2015 where you know it got its big gameplay reveal and then um, I think it released yeah it released a year later so I, I could see that happening um, but then obviously Bethesda Game Studios I'm expecting something from them whether it's you know, Starfield Fallout what have you uh, something's coming from them I agree with the Creation Club. I, I thought about that. Like, will it just be a trailer? Will, like, they come out on stage and talk about it? How will that go? That's what I'm most curious about. Uh, Prey expansion's a guarantee. There's going to be, like, a Prey-esque release um, similar to what Dis- Dishonored Death of the Outsider had. 
uh, which is kind of what fortifies why I believe they're going to do uh, Doom next spring, just because um, at that point, you know, you're going to have two fall games from Bethesda Game Studios, so you're going to have uh, your, your short expansion of Prey, and you'll have your, your big AAA title from Bethesda Game Studios that you don't want to launch, pull an EA and like launch your two AAA titans right on top of each other, uh, like Battlefield 1 and Titanfall 2, and just kill one of them. You know, it's just, it won't be good, and probably the one that'll die out is the not BGS title. So um, <laughs> that's kind of just my general take on what's coming to E3. But when they say new projects, new games, you know, maybe there's a new studio Bethesda owns that we don't know about. Um, I forgot which one they acquired that like helps them generally across their studios. I think it starts with, like an A or a B. I can't remember. Um, Austin? Not Austin. No, it, it was a. Uh, if you go on their website, it'll say it under the developers. Um, I can't remember it right now, but regardless, I'm I'm sure maybe they'll they'll be working on something. Um, now that we know Battlecry is pretty much out of existence since that two studio got transformed into um, Bethesda Game Studios Austin, um, I imagine that we're not going to see that. So it's very intriguing what he means by new projects and games because there's only so many studios that can work on something under the Bethesda family and when most of them have released something within the last year and a half um, it definitely is a it's a head scratcher in my opinion what do you guys think about switch ports like I think uh, maybe yeah fallout 4 that's what I was about to yeah. say yeah makes sense I mean it's money on the table they'd be silly to leave it there yeah that's mm. a very good point Kopi I didn't even think of switch ports I'd love for them to start, you know, doing like Fallout <laughs> Fall 3. 3, yeah, Fallout New Vegas, um, Oblivion. I don't see New Vegas, but 3 would be nice. Yeah, if they did New Vegas, that would be dope, but I don't see it either. Um, but I, I just personally would love for them to, to start getting with the going back and resurrecting their games, because the issue is less of like, I just want to go back and play them, and more so, uh, you know, a lot of people who only play on PC, for example... Fallout 3, like, does not work. It's yeah, so... It's, unless you mod the shit out of it, and at that point, it's such a pain in the ass, in my opinion, that it's not even worth it. It's like, I, I would love it if they just re-released Fallout 3 or updated it so that it would work remaster. on remaster consoles. Yeah, a remaster, I don't know. But, like, I'd love that if they did that. So, that's why I personally think they should do it for Fallout 3. I, I feel like I, wa- I want to see it for Fallout 3, but... Um... They what they did. I remember they added Fallout Three as a backwards compatible game. I think you got it for free with Fallout Four. So I don't I don't know if they would do that. But I I think Skyrim did pretty well on the Switch. So introducing Fallout Four, which I don't know if that would be hard for them to do for the Switch for um oh, I just for that they game. Got, they got a uh, Wolfenstein Two on the Switch coming out next. Oh next yeah, this fall. So they're probably gonna do a trailer for that. And then maybe they can mm-hmm. lead in after that and say, like, oh, we also got other Switch games and, and do, like, a Fallout on the Switch or Dishonored on the Switch. That would be interesting. Um, Switch, is, Switch is getting a lot of support. A lot. Mm-hmm. So. I, think, I think Doom 2 is going to release within a year uh, of the PS4 and uh, Xbox One releases on the Switch. I think they're going to do it much quicker mm-hmm. than they usually do. Yeah, the issue is Doom on Switch just wasn't good. I tested it, and just, I didn't like it. It, it was 
you know, because like, and part of it is like I, the first time I played Doom and, and beat it, you know, I was on uh, PC, so like, you know, it was on the best place that you could play the game, but it, it just wasn't smooth enough. It, you know, the the thumbsticks like just didn't feel right with the action, um, especially in a handheld. It it, it it didn't work. Doom's one of those weird games because it didn't work on VR as well, and it didn't work on uh, Switch as well either. Switch is more for technical limitations. VR just didn't have that same locomotion. That's that's um that's why I don't know about Fall I, Fallout Four on the Switch. I guess it run um, Fallout Four has the same engine as Skyrim, right? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I I don't I don't know. I remember Fallout Four kind of had problems running on the Xbox One mm-hmm. sometimes. There's so optimization issues with the games. So yeah, that's the issue so that they're facing with Fallout Four on the Switch. Yeah, so that's that's what uh, scares me a little bit. Or I don't know. I also why, feel- like we we tease Skyrim on the Switch so much, but or Skyrim being ported. But the reason it's ported is because it's it's optimized well. Like you you look at mm-hmm. the 360 file size, and I think it was like just over three gigs. But look how big Skyrim is. That doesn't look like a three gig game, but like it's just well optimized. So they're, they're it's easy to take and put on other systems. I remember, wasn't the PlayStation version of it, like, horrible, though? Yes. yes it was. <laughs> or was it, the D- was it the PlayStation version, or was it the DLC? I think it was the I don't DLC. know. Something, I, think the Dawn, I know the Dawn Guard DLC was, like, completely busted. Yep. It was, like, a huge issue for it. Yeah. Bad for any PS3 players, because I had a friend who was, like, trying to platinum the game, and, like, he was about to get it, but then the game bugged on, like, his last plat, or his last trophy, and, like, he couldn't get it, and because just the whole game broke on him. So it's like shit like that, man. It's, it's, wow. it's Bethesda needs to work on their PlayStation game because with Fallout Four, it wasn't even the game itself. It was it was more of the uh, Bethesda net mods and and the lack of mod support. It's always something with Sony and Bethesda. They just have a horrible relationship. What's um? That's all I personally expect from E three. Anyone got some last minute additions to that list? Uh, nothing really. I mean, I think we've pretty much covered everything we expect. Have we missed any of the other devs under the Bethesda umbrella? I don't think so. No, we talked about ESO, ESL. We talked about Arcane's probably not going to be there because they just released Death of the Outsider and Dishonored 2 before that. Who else is there? Uh, Evil Within just released. Wolfenstein just released. So Machine Games and Tango Gameworks are covered. Uh, Bethesda Game Studios and id. Yeah, that's everyone. Yeah, open slate. Anyway, then I guess that'll conclude the Ham Radio Podcast episode 153 as my dog loudly barks in the background. Uh, I apologize for that. (laughs) Um... Is there anything you fellas would like to plug before we close off this episode, or um, shall I wrap it up? I mean, again, I'll just plug my own YouTube channel, I guess. I do Total War multiplayer content, so if you guys are into an eSport type thing, go ahead and check it out. Uh, if you like strategy games, I do some other stuff too, and occasionally I'll sprinkle in like some Sea of Thieves or something like that. So just uh, general gaming, but with a specific focus on Total War Warhammer multiplayer. Kofi Strider. Uh, my Twitter at Kofi the Kitten. Just come follow me. <laughs> cool. I'm good. All right, sweet. Thank you guys so much for joining this episode. It was an absolute blast discussing everything Bethesda with you fine folk. And to the listeners out there, we hope you enjoyed. 
if you listen this far, the hashtag for this week will be... It's going to be Strider did his research. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. <laughs> Brought some heavy speculation to the table. <laughs> so, yeah, if you got this far, let us know. Uh, tag any of the handles you see on screen. We'd love to hear from you. And we will catch you guys in the next episode. Peace out. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.